Hey everybody, welcome to the Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me, I'm Father John, I'm the Executive Director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. I am here on Easter Monday with partner in mission, Mary Guilfoyle. Mary, Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Happy Easter, Father John. Oh, goodness gracious. Welcome to Easter 50. Easter 50. And you know, for uh, some of my friends who listen to our conversations, I'm going to use a word that describes Easter and they won't... They won't be surprised. And how would you describe it's Easter, glorious. Mary? It is glorious. It is indeed. Glorious. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. So um, we have an interesting topic and title. What is it uh, we do. on this we do, glorious Father day? John. So the title of today's conversation is Easter with my cousin Vinny. Oh, awesome. I didn't realize you had <laughs> a cousin Vinny. I didn't know you had any Italian in your family. I can't wait to break this open. Let's pray, Let's shall go. we? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ah, gracious Father, we just give you thanks for these extraordinary days that we have begun, especially for this octave, these eight days in which you uh, set aside for us so graciously to uh, continue to absorb, soak in, understand, uh, be astounded by as we continue to give thanks for the resurrection of your Son and all that he has accomplished for us by his life, death, uh, defeat of sin and ascension into heaven, where even now he is interceding for us by name at your right hand. Father, we pray that uh, these days would truly be filled with joy, a joy that is not dependent on circumstances, a joy that finds its roots in the events that have happened and that have forever changed the world and that remind us that we are loved far more than we could ever imagine. So we just ask for your grace to be upon us now, our conversation, that your spirit would reach into the ears, minds, and hearts of all those who are listening and continue to open up for us uh, a deeper way of understanding what has just happened. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I have to ask, um, so you were doing the uh, Exodus or the Fiat 90 with uh, a group of women. We were doing Exodus yeah. 90. Uh, so what did you run to first? A glass of wine. A glass of wine. <laughs> a glass of wine? I won't ask more than that. Yeah. A robust glass of wine. A, robu- a tumbler yeah. of wine. How about you? Uh, interesting. You know, uh, for me, it was cream and sugar. Uh, so everybody said, uh, always a couple friends said, uh, yeah, I fell in love with black coffee after Exodus 90. I'm like, no, I didn't. I can't stand black coffee. So I was dying for a little cream, a little sugar or half and half. Um, but it was interesting. We were on our last call. So we were doing weekly touch points as I think right? you guys were yeah. too. Uh, with our group, we had about a dozen guys or so going through Exodus 90. And that, that last call we had a week ago now was just like, what are you, what are you either like most concerned about? Like either entering back into, um, you know, like the real world, uh, or what do you most want to hold on to? And, um, father drew here in Detroit, he made a great observation. He says, you know, like I've been thinking about this myself. And if I remember exactly how he said it, it was something like, I think I've been looking at this all wrong because I don't know why why I was thinking of things like uh, the media and whatnot as an occasion of fasting. Like, like abstaining from that wasn't fasting. That was actually feasting. Mm. Like, why would I see returning to something that often causes agitation or, um, you know, frustration or worse? Why would I see that as feasting? Um, doesn't that I, I turn wanna, yeah, I just all of stay that away upside from that. down? 
yeah, your so, understanding of that? Yeah, I, I love that insight. Beautiful. I mean, I, I know that's that's certainly one of the practical things. Like, I can get all the news I think I need from listening to the top of the hour on the radio, and then I'll let those people who just love reading the news, uh, it, it, you know, like tell me what else is going on. But uh, I have just so loved the clarity of mind yeah. uh, that the Lord's given and just the peace. So I just I, love this season that we're ending back into, and I am not eager to return into everything that we um, absorbed as disciplines during Exodus 90. It really worked. I couldn't agree more, Father John. We were talking before we turned on our mics. Um, I'm not sure I want to go back to a lot of things that yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed, I didn't always succeed in some of the disciplines, yeah. but I enjoyed the fruit, which was this quieter interiority Amen. and just wasting time in God's word. And, being with people and engaging in conversations and stepping back from a whole set of things. I'm Amen. not sure I want to go back to normal. Yep. I like the new normal. I like the new normal too. Absolutely. So let, let me try to break open this uh, crazy title that we got here, Easter with my cousin Vinny. So, um, it, you know, cause I've been talking about it with us as a team over the last uh, couple of weeks, but I have just really approached Holy Week and these days that we're now in um, for some time, actually, just continuing to say to the Lord in my own prayer, like, Lord, I just want to know more. Like, I've been preaching on this stuff for 25 years, and uh, I've shared with you, uh, with you all here around the table and in the chapel, like, I'm just astounded by how much I'm still learning, right? And which I'm so grateful for. I mean, all that's of the us beauty are saying of saying that right now. Yeah, that's the beauty for, you know, for the Word of God, which is always new. I mean, like, no. God is an infinite person, so I can't possibly put into my finite little peon brain all that God has done. But as I was praying the other day, I was uh, I was sitting there. This was last week, and uh, right before we started to enter into the triduum, and I was sitting there praying. It's like, Lord, my temptation is to be like my cousin Vinny in the movie, because I think in movies where he's he's in the courtroom, this will make no sense for those of you who haven't seen the scene, but uh, it's how I think. And so I'm saying to the Lord, like, Lord, I think I get the point. And the judge in the movie and the Lord to me says, no, I don't think you do. And so that, that's how I've been over the last, you know, like set of weeks. And, it, and it's how I really am approaching Easter. Like, Lord, I don't know the point. Like, there's so much more I want to understand regarding what we just celebrated in three really condensed days. And now in your kindness, You've given us eight days as the octave of Easter because we're still in Easter day for eight days. And then we're in the Easter season for 50 days. So that, that's what this is all about. Like there's more to know, like the, 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 the most dangerous thing I think for us as Christians is to get used to the magnificent. We say right? that all the time, right? And yet we do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we were, um, as a team, we've been reading a book by Abbot Jeremy Driscoll called Awesome Glory. Right. And in it, he's unpacking the liturgy in just this beautiful, poetic, just incredible way. And I think we all remarked to one another, like, we just take this so much of the mass for granted. It is beautiful. Yep. But sometimes we don't always approach, we, we approach it all too familiarly. Yeah, especially anyway. the, the liturgies with regarding to the Easter season. So public service announcement for Abba Jeremy Driscoll out at Mount Angel and a, just a great mentor of mine. Uh, if you're looking for great reading during the Easter season, because it's very appropriate for these times, uh, go to your favorite web browser, Catholic bookstore, whatever, and uh, uh, search for Awesome Glory Abbot Jeremy Driscoll. And he just 
busts open in a really profound and yet accessible way um, what we're celebrating right now, and especially like how the liturgy is revealing what we're celebrating Absolutely. right now. So it's, 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 it's incredible. Can't encourage it enough. So, yeah. so we've got these 50 days and they're right. days to go deep. And, the, and, and I would suggest that, that a way to approach this is just to say something like, Lord, just continue to open my mind to what I've celebrated. And maybe uh, another way to think about this is, You've done the Ignatian exercises, I have, right? And I love this approach. So, you know, Ignatius, when you're, so these are done in so many different ways, but uh, in its ideal format, um, which is not ideal for most lay people, it's a 30 day retreat. And you're spending, you know, four, six hours a day in prayer. And then you go back at the end of the day, and Ignatius basically has you um, think about, okay, all those moments in the course of the day. What do I now, as I close out the evening, what do I want to return to um, and, and go deeper, deeper with, with that, right? right? So like I think about food a lot, especially now that it's Easter. So one of my visuals for this is, um, so like you go to the buffet and you put like a, a spoonful of different things on the plate and you try a bunch of them. And it's like, no, that's not any good. That's not any good. Oh, I got to go back and get some more of that. Um, so in these last three days, and all of the mysteries that we've celebrated over the last three days, like what is what is the Holy Spirit inviting me to go back to as if to say, Mary, there's more here for, for you, you here. or John, there's more here for you. So what are those moments that we either heard in the proclamations of the scriptures uh, over the weekend or that have just kind of come to our minds in prayer and go back to those in these days and linger with them and just say, Lord, just bust open my mind and help me understand something more about this so that what I'll be overwhelmed. I'll surrender anew to you and I will get mobilized for mission. Right. Amen. Father John, I'm just thinking about the fire hose. That is the triduum anyway, because it's, there's so much there. It's like, it's like a fire hose of grace Yeah. and there's just no way we can take it in. So I love this idea. Yeah. And there's, I don't know about you. Mm -hmm. There's some scenes mm -hmm. that come immediately to mind that are worth like going back to in prayer. And again, Ignatius, mm -hmm is always encouraging you to use your imagination and to in, involve the senses. I think a lot of uh, a lot of Catholics in particular, but maybe Christians in general, like we tend to distrust the senses and distrust the imagination, but God gave They're the imagination gift. and God gave the senses. And certainly I've used my imagination for like wicked things, but that doesn't mean you get rid of it. Rather, you just ask the Holy Spirit to, to, to use that imagination and to help you get into the scenes that we've just, you know, heard in rapid fire fashion and that we're about to hear in these days that have begun in Easter. So like what scenes come to mind for you that you might think like this might be worth going back to? So I think for me, Father John, just because uh, you, you know my love for uh, Mary Magdalene is just going back to the scene of Mary at the tomb and just that, that, that whole experience of experiencing, thinking our Lord is the gardener, mm. right? And just what that must have been like for her, you know, the, the startling reality that the tomb is empty. Where have they laid my Lord? Mm. I, I just, I mean, that, that, that scene in particular, has always caught my heart. Yeah, and, and I, I know uh, maybe last year, the year before, what, what struck me with that gospel passage mm -hmm. in a particular way is, you know, Mary has her back turned to Jesus. That's the detail that, that just jumped out at me in uh, John's gospel because it says um, when, after uh, Jesus calls her by name, Mary, it says she turned 
So I, she's, of course, not thinking this is Jesus. Jesus is dead. Dead people don't come back to life. Everybody knows that. People in the first century knew that, let alone resurrect, right? And so I try to picture, like, what does Mary's face look like when she hears this guy call her by name and it begins Mary. to dawn on her like, oh my gosh, the That's absolutely you. unthinkable has just happened. And the one who I thought was like some really remarkable guy doesn't turn out to be some remarkable guy. He turns out to be God That's him. who hasn't like kicked out the Romans. He's defeated death. And so like what's on her face when she begins to turn like, oh my gosh, I don't think she's on her feet, Father John. Yeah, she's probably falling down. I, I, I think she has buckled to her knees. Or she's running and jumping into his arms, right? Right. So right. speaking of running, so I know one of the scenes for me too is so Magdalene leaves there, goes to the upper room, starts talking to, to them. What do they do? They don't believe. Why? Because dead people don't come back to life. Everybody knows that. But Peter and John leave there and they run to the tomb, right? And I, I think actually we both have a... This painting, I, I got it from uh, Father or Bishop Dan Thomas down in Toledo. I saw it in his office first, and so my brother's name's Peter, and he's gone now, and I'm John, obviously. And so this painting has always captivated me. But it's Peter and John running to the tomb after they've heard Magdalene's like ridiculous announcement, and yet they're running to the tomb, and they have this look on their face like it, it can't be, can it? Like there's not a chance this is actually true. They are, and, and in the painting that you're talking about. They're running at such a speed that the hair is blown back. Oh yeah, and in that, and, and there, there's a unique uh, countenance to John, and a very unique countenance to Peter. Yeah, and there's something about Peter's tear-stained, tear-tracked face. Oh yeah, like my Lord is alive. Yeah, I, it, it's it's just beautiful. It's a, it's a great image to pray with. So that might be another scene yeah. to go back to. Yeah. I know for me, one of the ones that I. I constantly want to keep going back to, which is not in scripture, but so many of the saints have said this has got to be what happened first is on Easter Sunday. It just makes, it makes so much sense, right? That thus the first person Jesus shows himself risen to is Mary, not Magdalene, his mom. But his mother. Right? Yep. And, and for me anyway, I've always thought that the, the reason scripture doesn't say anything about that is you can't possibly put that scene into words. But how comforting for us just to even contemplate that. Oh, gosh. For, for him to look at her and she just collapses like it has finally come to pass. And just the sheer, like the smiles on their faces and the exuberance and the exhilaration as they look at each other after he's come back from the dead, right? The fruitfulness of her fiat. Yeah. Like being fulfilled in that moment. Absolutely. Right? Just yeah. beautiful. I know one, another one for me that I just want to keep going back to is, um, so, you know, we, we talk often about Jesus as the ambush predator that, that Satan does not know who Jesus is because it just doesn't make any sense that he would like bring about the destruction of his own kingdom. So it's unthinkable to the demonic mind, or maybe a better way to say it is, humility and love are not in the demonic mind. And so it's ridiculous to comprehend that God would become a creature to rescue his creatures. This causes people confusion. We don't need to go into it right now, but 
So the, the Lord is just ripped to shreds. And, and if anything, like one of the things I've been praying about over the last couple of days is like, it's almost like the enemy overestimated him, apparently. Like the guy's, he's been captured. He's been mutilated. He's been torn apart. He's been stripped naked. He's, he's dead. Like this is easier than I thought it was like, going to be, right? Dude, you are mine, right? right. And then the Lord whether it's at the moment he comes into hell or as it's he's leaving hell, it's suddenly like Jesus shows his face to the enemy and the enemy goes, oh no, <laughs> like I know that face. That's the face I saw before I rebelled and I'm undone. Like that's just... I just love that scene to comprehend. And then Jesus just liberating hell and bringing all the captives That's out. That's a mind-blowing thing to sit with, Father John. We were talking about that earlier this week. Mind-blowing. Just that whole, the, the liberation of hell. Oh. Because we have, I mean, that, that, that's, um, that's something that's going to require some time and some thought and imagination and all of that. What else, Father John? Yeah, you know, maybe two last scenes that I want to go back to is uh, I, I just love lingering with Jesus and Peter like getting right, just getting right. Like when you've hurt somebody that you really love and, and it hasn't been resolved yet, like you know, like, oh, we have got to figure this out. And Peter knows like I, I have hurt the one who I love the most and now I've come to find out is God. And then them finally sitting down at that charcoal fire uh, on the Sea of Galilee and getting right. And the Lord just invites us to do the same. You know, Father John, of all of the things that we've talked about <clears throat> so far, this is uh, by far one that I think resonates with all of us. Um, well, at least for those of us who have a past, mm -hmm. some of us probably don't. Oh, that's right. Everybody has a past. Yeah. Yeah. Just the reality that, um, and we talk about this when we're working with priests and bishops, that failure isn't a life sentence. Amen. And I like to think that like Peter's like the poster child or the poster man, poster boy uh, for, for do-overs. Right. And we get a do-over because of that encounter. Right. As, and, and we stress this and Driscoll in his book talks about this too. It's like, it's not like the story of the denial of Peter somehow unfortunately got out. No. Peter told us about it exactly because he right. wants those of us who have a past, which is all of us to know it doesn't matter what's back there. The Lord is merciful beyond anything we could hope for. Yeah. So that is truly good that. news, right? I just right? love that. So there's so many things, but those, those are just some that come to mind. But, you know, I, I think what we, we wanted to really tee up and, uh, you know, in, in conclusion here is just if there's something really to go back to, it might be Exodus chapters 14 and 15. You know, so the whole backdrop for the passion uh, of Jesus and the resurrection is the Passover, which, of course, is described in chapters just before this in the book of Exodus. But you know, the, the Passover, whether it's the institution of the Passover, the slaughtering of the Paschal lamb, um, the deliverance from uh, Egypt and Pharaoh's soldiers, the passing through the Red Sea, all those things are types, foreshadowings, if you will, of what Jesus has come to accomplish. And this is one of the points that the Lord's been just driving home uh, to me in prayer over the last couple of weeks is, Jesus deliberately chose this time for it to happen. And what jumped out at me last week, I think it was on Wednesday, um, when we heard the gospel of Matthew and 
uh, Judas going to the uh, religious leaders and saying, what will you give me if I hand him over to you? The passage almost immediately before this describes that the, the religious leaders had made a decision, we got to kill him, but we're going to kill him in stealth, but not during Passover. Right. Because it'll cause too much of a ruckus. So they are intent on killing him. They do not want to do it in Passover, but Jesus forces this. Like he wants it to happen at this time because this is the feast of the rescue deliverance. and deliverance. Right. right? And so... Each, uh, Exodus chapter 15 is immediately after they have been, you know, brought out of Egypt and then they're pinned at the Red Sea with no way out, but God is the God who makes a way out of no way. And what happens? They walk through that awesome reading, right? And I can still picture Lou Broll, God rest his soul. He used to read this every holy Saturday night with the water like a wall on their right and on their left, and they just pass through it, and then the water comes back together, and the enemy is drowned, right? And what's the response? So I, I love this. They sing. So Exodus 15 opens with this song of Moses, and the people of Israel sang, and if they're singing, I bet they danced. Yeah. It's just so glorious. I was sitting with this uh, during Holy Week, too, um, uh, uh, just Exodus in its entirety and reading it with a new eye, just trying to anticipate like what is actually coming. Yeah. And, and, and so Exodus 15 begins with Moses singing this song. And then as soon as he, after he is done singing that song, just like you noticed, Miriam does in fact dance, right? I mean, like there was a line, we were trying to find it. I'm sure it's in the Magnificat. Some of you will call it to mind if you saw it too. But I think the title of the, the little essay at the end of the uh, reflection was, we don't dance, dance enough. enough. And man, isn't that true? Like we don't dance enough. The Israelites respond to deliverance from slavery in Egypt with dance and with song and with joy. How about us? Like we haven't been delivered from Egypt. We've been delivered from death. Like death has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. The strong man has been overcome. Like if there's a time for dancing and joy, sheer unadulterated joy that isn't dependent on circumstances, it's right now. You know, Father John, I, I agree. And I think just even praying with uh, Exodus 15 last week, um, I, I think I actually mentioned to you, what if we all wrote like our own song? You know, this is the song of Moses and Miriam dances and everybody gets on their, on their feet and there's just this massive rejoicing. What if we wrote our own song? It might be the song of Father John or the song of Mary or the song of Billy or the song mm. of Patty, what would that look like? There's something just about like praying with that, writing that out. Um, I just think that would be, yeah. uh, that would just be a delightful exercise. And maybe just a in prayer, in like prayer. Lord, help me to know that this was if I don't sing about this, there's nothing what am to I singing about? about? Exactly. There's if I don't celebrate this, what this am I celebrating? It. This is right? it. Absolutely. And, and and to be clear, we've all been delivered from a whole set of things. We can talk about what that might be. It might be financial issues or struggles with our family or, or, or struggles in our careers, whatever that might be. Right. But that struggles nothing compared to what we've been delivered from yeah. here and that we celebrate for 50 glorious days. Amen. Let, let, me, let me close with this. I was really struck... Um, Last week, just as we were about to enter into the Triduum, I went back to Exodus again, and I was struck by the ending of chapter 2. So this is immediately before God reveals his name to Moses. And it says this, 
This is uh, starting in verse 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and they cried out for help. And their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. Like, that's us. Mm. Like, for those of us who are listening right now who are groaning, who feel enslaved, who feel stuck, who feel uh, bound by everything from depression to despair, who are afraid, like, I don't think this is true for me, Father John and Mary. Like, the Lord wants you to know your cry for rescue from slavery has come up to him. And this is how it goes on to say, and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel. He saw the people of Detroit. He saw the people of Memphis. He saw the people of Oakland. He saw the people of Bridgeport. He saw the people of St. Augustine. And God knew. Like, he didn't just, like, know generically. Like, he saw your, heard your cry, saw your struggle, heard my cry, saw my struggle, And because God is love, not loving, is love. And what love does is act. God acted. And he burst onto the stage as a character in his own story. And he went to war for me and for you. So that I would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he loves me and that somehow for reasons I can't fathom, I matter to God and somehow for reasons I can't fathom, I'm worth the trouble of the creator of the universe dying on a cross. And all of that is true. And because it is, do not be afraid the God who makes a way out of no way, the God who binds the strong man, the God who is stronger than death, the God who has made us right with himself is with you. And you were born for this. <laughs>